The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. Chris Chung at Prime, LOL. We're back. And John George, the eSports plug. How are we doing, everybody? So we took a week off last week to let everyone uh, digest the annual 20, the, the full year. We always like to, to, to give some time to let the year breathe like a fine wine, right? Also, uh, for a lot of people in the States, there were a lot of current events going on. I think a lot of people were pretty busy, and it was a chaotic week for a lot of people, too. So uh, we always like to, to take the time off right after Worlds to kind of digest the whole year and see what happened. But uh, we're back this week. We're going to be bringing you guys content during the off season. Uh, trying to mix it up, do some different content this year. I'm going to try to do some evergreen stuff. Um, obviously, if you guys have ideas, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Message us with ideas. You know, If you got a review and you you know there's something else you want to see in the off season or something like that feel free to leave it there as well um always looking for ideas for that kind of thing uh so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to recap worlds we're going to do finals and then work backwards and just cover the whole tournament just big picture then we're going to look at 2020 as a whole and we're going to do a little bit of a, a who's who you know kind of like you see at the end of the yearbook or something like that and uh you know talk about you know what do we like this year what we didn't like this year surprises players we liked, players we didn't like, et cetera. And uh, kind of a low-key, I, I, I like to call it a sunset show. I'll borrow that from Limited Resources with uh, Marshall Sutcliffe, uh, Magic Podcast. But uh, he calls, when they they finish doing sets and recapping a set at the end of its end of its time, they always call it a sunset show. And I always, I always like that, that vibe. So we'll call this the 2020 uh, League of Legends sunset show. So, or season 10, whichever. So, uh, first of all, uh, have you, uh, how did you guys end up uh, for World Finals. I haven't really gotten a chance to talk to you guys too much since then. Uh, did well in the World Finals. Had uh, had Dam 1, uh, minus 1.5. Yeah, expected Dam 1 to get the win. But uh, overall, the World Championship was pretty good. I thought the biggest thing this year for me was uh, was props. I thought props was huge at Worlds this year. Um, and I didn't even play nearly as heavily as some other people, but the ones I played were some of my biggest profits of the year. So Like this guy. <laughs> Me and uh, me and I'll shout out to JG twenty nine in the Discord. He, uh, him, and I did a lot of brainstorming and you know think tanking on on these prop markets. And let's just say we had a good year on them. <laughs> we, we had a Canyon, great tournament. <laughs> Canyon MVP. I, I, some of my most enjoyable moments was trying to tweet and convince the and slide convince the people on the broadcast that Canyon was the MVP. Of the finals. And we, that we need to, we need to get well. pull. We need to get a uh, clout. So we, <laughs> we gotta get like uh, you know all our millions and millions of followers around the world to uh, sway the vote. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, like, I guess I guess we could just dive into it because like we're gonna end up talking about it anyway. But uh, so the the finals in general, it was. I'll I mean I'll come out and just say it was fairly lopsided. Like G two got game two. 
I think there was kind of a close game for three. Sooning. Sooning. Sooning, sorry. G2, oh my god. Um, so Sooning, it was, it was, it was kind of close for game, game three, and then it was just an absolute blowout, and, like, I feel like we saw this so many times this year with Damwon, where it was like, okay, like, you play it by the book, and then there's a close game, and then, like, by the time the third or fourth or fifth game of a series rolls around, they just roll a team over. And I don't know if it's just that they break the other team or the stamina was good or what, but it felt like they did this a bunch of different times this year. And uh, I guess finals is really any different. But, like, I don't think anybody really thought Sooning was going to win this final, right? Like, I, yeah. I thought maybe some people thought that like, there was maybe more value in them than I did personally, but I, I didn't think this was going to be particularly close. Like, I didn't think it was going to be a sweep like most people projected uh, right after after Suning won against TES. Uh, so I I thought it was Suning might have a chance because of how close the first two games looked. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, talent and strategy all goes to that one. John, thoughts? Yeah, cool to have... Uh, I, I, <clears throat> excuse me. In, in the finals, I... I thought it was going to be lopsided. I thought three and one was about right. Three or three zero about equally likely. Um, I thought it was really cool that Damwon brought back the same team. Like, I mean, they, they changed AD carry a little bit. I mean, he was already on the squad last year. Yeah, but Ghost was here was off the AD carry. But I, I thought it was really cool that they ran back the same team and had the success they had this year versus, you know, last year they were an underperformer for a lot of people. And uh, to run it back, it was really cool. And I was happy to see them win. Yeah, I think um... – Maybe I'm a little out of line saying this, but I, I kind of thought this series was closer than I thought it would be. Like I thought maybe we'd get one close game, and there was like two and a half, like two and a half, maybe one and a half, two. Something. There was like two close games, I'll say, because obviously Sooning got the one. But uh, I, I really did think Stanwall was just going to steamroll this series, and they they didn't quite do that. But yeah, I think I think I think the best team in the world won, which I personally am always a fan of. I always like seeing the best team win. Um. Yeah, I. I guess I guess um. Th- there's really not much else to say on this finals. Damwon just looked really, really good. I was pleasantly surprised with what Sooning brought out. The Rengar game, that was really wax. So like Rengar, Rengar is like an old Evelyn counter. I have no idea the dynamics of the new, like since like post rework Evelyn. I don't know how it works, but apparently it's pretty good when you go full tank Rengar, and. You just make Aphelios' life a living hell because that's what ended up happening in the in that game. Um, that was weird. I know, like in the moment, I was like, I really want to live bet Damwon here because this seems so tilting, right? Like, didn't it seem so? Like, you just throw two completely out of left field picks like that. The Fiora is not that out of left field against against an Orn, but that and the Rengar in the same game, I was like, are they just like they don't think they can win this straight up? They're just trying to throw a curveball. That's what it felt like to me, and I guess it worked for them. So. Yeah, that was a really fun game. It was fun to watch yeah. that. Uh, I definitely did not think that the tank Rengar was going to work out, so I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I like when teams have something prepared like that or have something that they can go to like that. So I thought it was really cool. But dude, how how many times this year did, have we said those words with SOFM? By the way, like <laughs> I didn't think this was going to work out, but hey, I guess it worked. <laughs> like that that was like his mo for the year, right? Like honestly, picking SOFM up as their jungler had that feel to me. Yeah, I don't think this is going to work out, but uh, but hey, okay, uh, maybe. You know? <laughs> and uh, I guess it, 
I mean, really a hell of a run. For, we're we're going to talk more about them later for sure, but really quite a run from Sooning. Uh, I was pretty bullish on this team coming into this tournament. I thought the meta set up pretty well for them, and then once we got some games in, I was like, okay, this is going to be a good meta for them, and I was pretty confident they'd do well. But I didn't think they'd be like fine. I, I really, I mean, I had some bets in on it because the odds were ridiculous. But I didn't think this team would be in Worlds. You asked me this three months ago. I was like, yeah, they could make it to Worlds. They could maybe have a good performance at the tournament. I, if you told me three months ago this team would be in the World Finals, I would have said like, that's eh, a little crazy. But yeah, um, yeah, Chris, you got some. Yeah, I mean, you got to think they they made it to Worlds by beating the two LPL champions. They beat, uh, they beat JDG. We can excuse it as okay. JDG didn't look into form. They beat TES. They took it to them. Yeah, yeah. I, so they deserve it. I, I, we 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 talked a lot about this in the in the Discord and on Twitter about how you could say there were underperformances by Top Esports and and JDG, but. And you could even make the argument that, I mean, there were some people making the argument that maybe the LPL just wasn't this good, right? And maybe it was just, like, domestic. I'm not quite that far along the spectrum, but, I mean, beating the two domestic champions on your way to World Finals, that's that's a statement, right? That's saying something. Yeah, you can't take anything away from, from Sunning beating those two. I, re- I still am kind of of the opinion that if... if- JDG had better coaching that they maybe could have won this Worlds and would have made the finals. I think they would have beaten top esports when they played them. Yeah. And I think their matchup in the finals would have been really good if their if their coaching slash drafting was a little better. But you can't take anything away from Sunning beating both those teams back to back. Two teams that were big favorites over them that beat them in the regular season. Yeah. You can't take anything away from Sunning there. Yeah, I think Sunning they just had they had an insanely good tournament too. It's they were just good. Um ended up beating they beat G two twice too. So, like, if you think of it that way, it's like, okay, they beat G2 twice, they beat JDG, and they beat Top Esports. And they took yeah, they a game off Damwon. The finals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, that's about as good as, I mean, that's a pretty good tournament. <laughs> that's that's a pretty big, uh, maybe, I guess, the, was was 17 Fnatic, like, a bigger Cinderella story than this? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think anyone expected them in the finals that year, but... This might be bigger because Top Esports and JDG were such titans. Like they lo- those teams loomed so large coming yeah. into the playoffs. I don't think anybody was giving Sunning a chance to go through both of those teams. So I think this is probably a bigger Cinderella story. Yeah, like I, I, I think there's a reasonable argument that this is like the the best Cinderella story we've seen since season two with Taipei Assassins. Yeah, it's right up there. Right, like I don't think that's too far out of whack, right? No, I mean maybe if uh, if Albus Knox Luna had won another matchup, yeah, that would probably be better. But yeah, I guess they count because like we were just in, it was insane they even made top eight. But I guess you could count that. But yeah, interesting. Um, how about the I guess, I guess like kind of just bigger picture of the tournament as a whole. Uh, I I found Worlds pretty entertaining. Like I I kind of came in. I'm I'm happy that we saw relatively high quality play. There were a couple letdown spots. A couple teams did some really stupid things, but for the most part, I'm glad that we saw that. Once you kind of eliminated the chaff, right? Like you kind of got rid of a lot of the mediocre situations. Watching the games between good teams was highly entertaining. It wasn't just like because we kind of had, and we're going to talk about this later too. I'm sure because I, I see I see Chris is highlighting it right now uh, in the, on our on our little itinerary here. But 
a big part of the problem this year, and we'll talk about it later in more detail, was the, the, the dragon changes making games feel really linear and binary all the time. It was like, okay, like this team's got the dragon snowball, they got the lead, and it's just over now, right? When it came down to it, seeing the good teams, the good teams were contesting everything. They were knowing when to not contest stuff. They weren't just like letting stuff go for the sake of letting it go. I think once you got to the highest level of play, I actually found the games really entertaining. I thought they were they were very high level games for the most part. Um, group stage is a little bit weird, but uh, I think I'm glad that once we got to the biggest stage, that the quality ended up overcoming some of the shortcomings that I think we had for the big picture of the whole season in terms of like the game itself. So that's good. And it kind of shows me that maybe the game was pretty well balanced and it just took the good teams to kind of emphasize that. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, it, it was, I don't know. I just thought the overall quality of play was pretty good. I think Gen G was a huge disappointment. I think TSM, you could make an argument was a pretty big disappointment, but there are other people that would say otherwise. So, uh, just like I don't know, yeah. like big picture takeaways from Worlds. Like anything that stuck out to you, players, teams. I really enjoyed the World Championship. Um, I even really, I've always really enjoyed watching like the play-in teams, even though they're they're not the super like highest quality teams. But usually they bring their own flair and their own styles and their own picks and and play in a different way. And I think that's cool. So I, I enjoyed watching the play-in teams. Um, I thought like watching the the Talon story was kind of cool with. Talon just like popping off in the plans with their with their fake roster, and then wondering how they were going to do in the main Dude, stage. I thought with the main roster. roster played pretty well once they came back. Like they did better than I thought they were going to do. Yeah, that that story was really interesting. I thought like FlyQuest played very well, uh, considering you know the disadvantage they were at player quality wise. I thought they they tried some cool stuff and and didn't quite get there, but it was fun. And then like you say, the highest quality teams. Yeah, some of them had better tournaments than others, but I thought the games between those teams in general were very good. So I, I enjoyed the heck out of Worlds. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I kind of came in maybe with lower expectations. <laughs> Wet blanket here, right? But I kind of came in not expecting this to be as good, and it overexceeded my expectations at least a little bit. So I was I was pleasantly surprised with it. Uh, Chris, Josh, big picture, the whole tournament for Worlds. So I like. Uh... Man, I don't know how to say this without just sounding like I'm a contrarian, but I am sort of a contrarian in life. I just like, I don't know, like I don't I don't have that much fun when just chalk straight hits all the time. And this tournament was a lot of that. And like I, I definitely 100% agree with your take that's like uh, seeing the best team win is like fun. Like, and I, I like to see that in the end. Like I would still be fine with it, but I just felt like the – the group stages weren't that interesting. Like it seemed like there was not very many like big upsets and like that's one of the parts that I typically enjoy about the tournament for sure is like uh you know these teams that come out of nowhere and and pull something off. Like Talon or uh like UOL didn't get a win, Talon didn't get a win. Like you know what I mean? Fnatic was like maybe um, the spiciest underdog in the tournament. Yeah. And like they were still like what, like most people had them like eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh range, so it's like not that yeah. crazy that they had a good showing. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like, from that perspective, it was a bit of a letdown to me, and that might be a hot take or whatever, but that's just kind of what where, where I landed with it. I think I'm like in the in between both of you. I can definitely see what Josh is saying, where a lot of the expected wins, teams that win actually did win. But 
like you said, Gelati, once we got to the finals, there was no doubt this is going to be entertaining. They find something to make it work. I mean, Suning continues to exceed my expectations. So that was the old, the one thing that kept me entertained. It's like, how far can they go? How did they beat JDG? How did they beat TES? Does G2? There was a lot of storylines all over the place, but at the end of the day, the team with the best record, I guess starting summer, because their spring was shaky, just continued. They did never let go, let, let the gas pedal go, and those were the kind of drops that I always like was looking out for. Like what over, like what strong team will find a way for themselves to lose? And the story was not them once it was JDG or TES that are the best team just faltered. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, anything else on Worlds? Uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna stand for a format change. Not that I hate this one that much, but I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep hammering. I'm gonna keep standing on this soapbox. Go to the internationals format. Give us two groups of eight. It'll be way more entertaining, I promise. There'll be more games, it'll be more work, but we'll get a bigger sample size so we can do our hypotheticals better. That's my <laughs> that's that's my that's my thought process there. Um It was fun. I, I actually like I said, like I enjoyed this tournament. I think it was a good one. Um Okay, so we wanted to go over worlds. How about 2020 in general? I know I know it seems weird to kind of sum it all up in one show, but this is like again the 2020 sunset show. So uh, we got some other stuff, uh, you know, in the next few minutes to get ahead to. But like, just in general, uh, 2020 as, as a whole, like what what um, stuck out to you as good, bad? Uh, yeah, this, I mean, like, this is a very vague question, but like. I don't know if Vince has been living in a rock, but this is like the worst year in history. So I don't know what we're talking about here. Like 2020 sucks. So. Oh no, I was just talking about worlds. 2020 is the year. <laughs> yeah. Fuck 2020. <laughs> I'm about that. Like, I, but... I just had to make that joke. John, come in with your serious take now. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say um, the story of the year for me. And to some degree from an entertainment value standpoint, it was a good thing, but I kind of felt that it hurt league of legends this year was that in the middle of the summer split, the patch that came in the middle of that split completely changed all the professional League of Legends, even though it, it wasn't intended. If you look in every region, there was teams that were doing extremely well before that patch that's, that fell off. There were teams 10, that were doing... Nine. I'm not even sure which exact patch, patch number it was. I don't remember the patch number, but there was a week... It was like week... Uh, I wish I knew the exact week, but it was like week five or six or seven or something of summer split... A patch came through, the metagame changed, and in every region there was teams that completely fell off and teams that like bolted to the top right then that had mostly not done that well over the course of the year. It kind of just completely changed everything. And I thought to some degree for like a continuity uh, standpoint, it was kind of bad. Like the teams that we've been set up all year to like, oh, wow, these guys are really good. They've been doing awesome. Like a lot of those teams just completely fell off and just left us scratching our heads as to like, oh, my God. And then other teams that – all year we'd kind of been trained to see them as like mediocre, suddenly shot into into greatness. I thought that was kind of bad for like League of Legends as a whole. Like Cloud Nine's a great example. Obviously, just destroyed everything until the middle of summer split and then completely fell off. Invictus Gaming was kind of similar, although they were more up and down, but they completely fell through the ground at the exact same time. Um, I'll say with Cloud Nine specifically, I think it was more like I think it was a a pretty hefty balance of them not playing as well. Also, like I don't think it was just a patch that got them, but uh, you could see it in in DFS. It was very stark. Yep. 
in the scoring, uh, you could see where, like, there was an exact point when, like, mid laners stopped scoring more than Jungle the other laners. Jungle started scoring way higher. And then at Worlds, even 80 carries start were back to being the highest scorer, where a lot of the year they had been, like, the second or third highest scorer on teams. So you could see how it was affecting, like, where the the gold was going and where the kills were going on teams. Uh but yeah, so I thought from an entertainment standpoint, it was kind of cool because we got like a lot of cool, shocking things happen. But from a continuity standpoint, I thought it kind of sucked to see some teams that were amazing all year. And then at the end of the year, we don't get to see them at Worlds or they performed poorly at Worlds after being something that we wanted to see. So, Yeah, I think that's def- definitely, uh, I mean, I think we should still hold like we should still be able to criticize something like that, even though I come from like we've all been watching this game long enough that. We come from the school where even three or four years ago, they were changing, they were making major, major patch changes on the world's patch. So the world's meta was completely different than anything we'd seen all summer. And they kind of learned their lesson. I think like 2016, like the, the first Mordekaiser rework, the Mordekaiser Gangplank reworks where like they're both viable bottom laners. Like that was the whole, like that was like the, that whole tournament was really weird. And they kind of learned their lesson there. It's like you can't just completely blow up the meta game right before World Championships because if it's bad, then you have a whole tournament, a whole month of bad viewing, so to speak. And so it's not quite to that extreme, but I totally feel you. Like there was definitely a uh, paradigm shift at some point uh, early summer. So, uh, Josh, Chris, hop in. Uh, <clears throat> I. Uh... Let's see. How do I phrase this? I think that the the jungle, the jungle, uh, the the dragon changes made the game a lot less fun for me. Uh, and by that, I just mean that like I I don't have as much fun watching teams just like I, okay. Uh, I don't know. So like the way the damn one won, like I I I've always enjoyed teams that out executed team fights, but I think there should be some counterplay to that to where like if you recognize in a game that you're just not as good at that style, you have the ability to try something else. And like the fact that like split pushing was like just not even remotely anywhere near the same level of as strong as just play shove, go fight Drake. Like, I don't know. That made me frustrated. It turned it from like rock, paper, scissors to rock and paper. You know, or, or, yeah. or like a hybrid rock, scissors, and paper, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just frustrating how it can cause teams to lose their entire identity. I mean, like, it was like John said, like, but I mean, and, and I said this probably just because, like, I was over invested in, like, G2 doing well. G2. But, like, even just, like, FPX, you saw it with them, too. Like, I just, I just don't like seeing that these teams aren't allowed to, like, play the game just because the style that they're good at isn't in the meta. And, like, that's that's just, like, one of the Riot games issues, I think, because they Riot's kind of bad at actually balancing their games. And, like, I, I'm going through this really, like, really heavily with TFT right now just because, like, I'm starting to get, like, higher ELO. But I think it's probably the same in League where it's just, like, they don't actually balance it. They just, like, change what's broken. Yeah. And it's, like, that's not that fun to me. Like I want to be able to see a variety of different strategies be successful. And part of that is the fact that people are too scared to try new things for sure. I don't disagree with that. But the other part is just like, there's no real incentive to if whatever, if the other option is just so good already, you know, 
So like that that part of like League of Legends in 2020, like John has said a million times, like ADC in 2020, like yeah, I hate that meme. Like it sucks that the game is like this, where you just like can't play any different way except for jungle carry now at the end of the at the end of the year or mid carry in the middle of the year. Like I don't know. I'd, I'd rather be able to see like multiple different play styles be viable. Yeah, I think um, the the dragon change definitely kind of by itself dictated that like basically there's two things that are viable it's the you know it, we and we saw this time and time again this year it's the dragon snowball team versus the other team you had two options and then you had some teams that damn one kind of pushed the boundaries and i think this was a big part of why they were so successful was they kind of pushed the boundaries in figuring out like a half of another way to play right where it was just like Ignore the dragons. Just get such a gigantic gold lead that like it doesn't matter about the the, the dragon snowball because you're just so far ahead that you can out, you can out team fight anything no matter the comp, right? That was kind of like their weird creative solution to all of this. They started doing, and it took everybody. I mean, it took them until the world, like people didn't catch up to it, even all through summer. Like at world champion at the world championship, it seemed like people were studying them, and they still couldn't do it at the same level that they could. You could see that they were trying to, but like that whole like rift herald like snowball two top towers thing. That was, like, the closest thing that we saw to, like, a third way to play. Like, you would see, sometimes you'd see these split-push situations, but more often than not, they were from a draft. Like, they were from having a Twisted Fate. They were from having a counterpick top, like a Kale or a Fiora or something like that, right? And even then, like, the execution level was... Like, you had to have such good execution compared to years past. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. But, like, I'm with you. Like, I don't like when it's very binary, where... There's this way to play, and there's the counter way to play, and that's it. Because it ends up starting to feel like chess almost, right? Where chess is, like, for as good as it is, like, it is, you know, a more solved game than something that's more liquid or more with more more variables, right? Uh, not that chess is at all simple at all. It's obviously very complex, but it has kind of that vibe where it's like, this is the this is one answer, or like, you know, white opens this way, this is, what, this is the response, this is what you're supposed to do. Right. There's a reason there's no money in chess. There's a there's a reason that you can't just like that people will sit down at a poker table with Phil Ivy and no one is sitting down playing for money with Magnus Carlson. Like, yeah, it's yeah. because that game is has less variables and things like you're talking about than something like poker. Yeah. Or whatever, and there's but. obviously like and obviously there's an art to when to be different to that. Like when you get to the highest, highest, highest levels. But like ultimately, well, that's a, there's a reason supercomputers have won that, right? Like. Yeah. And I mean, you're starting to see this kind of with Dota. It'd be cool to see them do like a like an like an AI for for League. That'd be kind of cool to see, like a Open AI did for Dota. That's kind of cool. But um, there's just more variables. But and like when when it feels like those are reduced, it feels like we don't get the full League of Legends experience, the full MOBA experience that we we all enjoy. Because really, like the the joy of a MOBA is the complexity of everything. You're never going to see the same game twice. You might see something that has the same silhouette. There might be a trend, like over like you know thousands of games, that it looks the same way, right? But overall, you're not going to see like part of the intrigue of it is that you're seeing difference every game, and it felt very binary this year more than maybe anything I've ever seen before. So I guess like for me, the most entertaining thing of Worlds was the fact that when it got to the highest, highest, highest level, it didn't feel quite like that. I don't know if you guys had the same feel. It didn't quite feel that extreme. Like it did all I got there. a I got a flash topic for you that's not on our sheet. That yeah. we could just do it as a flash topic. I mean if anybody has if you, uh, good. 
I was going to say, if you could pick, if you could pick a couple small things just off the top of your head, they don't have to be super well thought out. If you could pick a couple small things that they could do to increase the enjoyability of the game, what would you, what would you pick? I have a couple just off the top of my head that I was thinking of. I mean, I think I'd like to go back to dragons being more valuable by themselves. I like one dragon having value. I didn't like that my team could take an infernal dragon as the first dragon. I didn't really feel like it gave them an advantage other than the fact that it helped them get more dragons. Like, or it put them closer to four dragons. I'd like to see that matter. And something I've been saying for years that I would like to see them change, I would like to see them make Baron significantly harder to kill. I don't like the idea that at 20 minutes, if you just see the opponent's jungler in the bottom lane, you can just rush it. Or if you get one pick, you can just rush the Baron because you can do it pretty fast and it doesn't hurt you that much. I would like to see it where you really needed to get a, a large advantage before you could do it, and kind of sneaking it was less of an option, personally. Yeah, I've got some... Um, yeah, I, this is weird, because obviously game balance is way, way, way more difficult than anybody playing armchair analyst ever wants to say it is. Like, there's so many variables. I mean, John, you play Magic. Like, you understand, like, you can introduce one card and it could just blow up an entire format from, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. Like, I'm exaggerating, but, like, you never know. Like, there's so many variables. There's thousands, probably millions of variables to account for. So you're never going to get it exactly right, but you can get pretty close. Off the top of my head, if I had to do one thing, make the soul point harder. Uh, I don't know if that means, like, adding... The problem is, like, this is such a delicate balance, because if you add... Maybe add a minute to the spawn timer, then that makes late game just way better. So just play late game, right? And early game's dead, and it'll just turn into late game. So, like, I kind of have weird thoughts about this, because really, at the end of the day, the... I, I always call it the blender. We've talked about this concept before, right? Where the blender is just, like, professional teams, solo queue the millions and millions of players playing millions and millions of games around the world, right? Though to the millions and millions, <laughs> um, they will solve this problem more than like, f- like in an hour faster than a balanced team could ever solve it. Right. So ultimately things are going to be fine tuned and solidified and calcified, right? Like that's always going to happen to some extent, but if I had to choose one thing, it would be make, at least make the soul point harder. Maybe make the soul point as difficult as current Baron or like something close to that, right? Where it's because how many times this season did we have like it was just this super underwhelming? Like you have one team clearly saying, okay, we're not in a position to fight. We're going to have to fight for soul point. And they do everything in their power to gear up for that fight. And every so often you would see that team win that fight, turn the tides of the game, and then lose a force Drake anyway at some point because they screwed something up. Or they turned around full way, right? Most of the time, a good like ninety plus percent of the time, that's not what happened, right? Even when that was like your planned thing, like that was your plan. That was with a scaling team. We should be coming online now, even if we're behind X amount, we're ahead. That kind of situation, and it just felt underwhelming because you could just take the fourth, like the sole point in like three seconds, right? So maybe make it a little bit harder. I, I don't. I, game design's not my strength, but. I like the idea – this kind of speaks to bigger picture, and I could go on forever and ever and ever about this, but I'll try to keep it short, sort of a pseudo-tangent to this. I personally liked the chess match that we saw with, like, lane swapping and all that, but I also understand that I'm, like, the 1% of, like, screwed-up people that, like, the masochists that like that kind of thing. 
I understand that the actual like the actual viewer and people actually playing this, like people that actually play League of Legends, they couldn't relate to professional play when that was happening, because that's not something that happened to them in their games, right? So I understand trying to solidify a metagame and make it so that it's closer to your experience because it's it's more visceral that way, right? Like I feel like I can play the same game, right? But and I understand that from a viewing experience, nobody wants to watch handshaking, everyone taking you know, there's just eight towers off the map automatically every game. So I like the the idea of putting an objective that you have to fight for. I just think that either you need to make the soul less powerful, make the individual dragons matter more, and maybe you could like you were saying, or make the soul point harder to take so that it's actually that's a strategy that you can do and you can be well prepared for that fight. It's just not like a free roll if you happen to be just like five seconds ahead in positioning, right? So it's kind of this weird give and take. Like I, I like for the general populace and for even like somewhat high level viewing and, and analysis, I like what they've done with the game because it's more entertaining because there's more action, right? But there's, you know, virtues and vices to everything, and there's kind of a double edged sword with that, is that it's become very, very binary. So I think I like the idea of Dragon Souls. A lot of people don't like RNG, but I like the idea of it. But I think it can be fine-tuned a little bit. And that's my 10-minute spiel on this. <laughs> let me let me just continue on what you ended with, because that's mine, is I'm fine with Dragon Souls. I think that the Dragon Soul should be announced prior to draft. Now, how is that possible? I don't know. But I think that it's sort of like stupid as heck to me that uh, say like, man, what's the most, I don't know. Like you draft a late game comp and it's going to be cloud soul. Say you're, you're drafting a team like echo zillion, whatever, like guys are just building max CDR on, and then you just get cloud soul and it's like, okay, cool. Like I already got my ult on a 20 second cooldown. Does it really help? 18 like sure like sure technically but it's like you know what i mean like like it's just i don't know like there's there's definitely certain team comps or like say you're gonna draft uh the the italy lucian early game like shove comp and then you roll a cloud soul when you're trying to yeah it's like feels bad yeah or like yeah it's i don't know it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the rng that slays you but i also kind of like the adaptation that comes with it like if you're the scaling team and there's an early earth drake like maybe you prioritize getting that more because like that's just like that. The Earth Soul ended up being like the most powerful on its own, which is like weird, right? Like just resistances because of like what the other team was likely doing. If you wanted that, well, and that's that's it too. Like right, so I'm not going to draft LeBlanc and and uh, like a like know, the, spelt like pen or something like that. Yeah, right. I'm not going to draft these stupid like burst mages and, and like burst assassins into a comp that's going to have uh Maokai Orn with mountain soul. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, and you can't really prep for that. So it's just like, you get screwed over by the RNG because they end up rolling mountain soul. And it's like, you have really like you, you end up having no chance in those games unless you get elder, which I kind of, now that you mentioned it, I kind of like the idea of like, I kind of like the idea of having like 10 different possible souls, all that are kind of, all that are like kind of comp specific and announced pre-draft to like totally throw the drafts. Like you might see 
you know, Cloud9 play against TSM in week one and then play against them again in week seven with no patch changes, but the soul change might completely change the kind of compositions that they're playing in those games. Because I think, ideally, don't get me wrong, this is uh, utopia stuff, but I think the perfect world in League of Legends should be completely fluid as far as, like, what lanes people are in, what champions they're playing. I think if if in the perfect world, you should... Yeah, you should be able to maybe go into a game and have, like, you know, Perks and Wonder playing in the bottom lane and Mickey X playing mid lane by himself, and they're all playing different, like, weird champions. If the game was perfect, which is not possible to get to. Don't get me wrong. It's not possible to get the game to a, to the level where it's like this. But I think that's the most enjoyable experience you can have, where all 152 champions are playable. They're all playable in every lane. Everybody on the team can play them. You know, that's perfect. We're never going to get there, I think. Uh, it's not possible to do. But getting closer to that, like I like the fluidity of having different things happen like that. Yeah, I, I guess the curiosity at that point would be like, is that more or less variance? Because sometimes adding more options actually, like it's not actually adding more variance. It just it feels that way, even if it's not. You know, like I just think it, it changes viewing variance. Yeah, like you you get to enjoy it more by going like last week I saw Mickey X play Tom Kench support. This week he's playing Nautilus top. I don't know about you guys, but, like, I thought last season, from a viewing standpoint, was, like, the best ever. Like, the game itself, I thought season nine was, like, you know, chef's kiss, right? I thought it was outstanding. I do like the idea of the soul, like, like buffing this, like, the dragon soul like they did this season. I like the idea of it. I just think that there's – I don't think there has to be that big of a change, really. I think – I don't know what it is. I don't know the answer. This is, like, not my strength, but – there's got to be a way to make it not binary. You know what I'm saying? Like, make it rock, paper, scissors, not just, you know, you know A and B. Make it three options. Make it four options. Because we had a lot of that last season. We saw these weird do- – and we saw some of that still this season. So I think in terms of, like, if you compare it to years ago, yeah, it's way, way more diverse now than it used to be. But – so we see mages bot pretty frequently now. We see all these non like weird non traditional Senna champion like Senna. That's weird, but it's cool that that's like a viable thing, right? Um, we've seen kill lanes. We've seen Yasuo bottom lanes. We've seen all sorts like there. You can do all sorts of stuff like that. Um, we've seen funnel compositions, particularly in solo queue. You don't see as much in pro play, but that kind of thing. It's good that there's some of that, but I just think that. It almost feels like maybe they don't need to change too much, just a little bit. Like, try to find that balance. I just don't know. It's hard, easier said than done, obviously. So, yeah, this is like a – I mean, we this could, like, almost be a show by itself, to be honest with you. Maybe we will do another one. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Chris, what did you think, like, good, bad from, from 2020? Uh, where do I start? I mean, I think – it may not be had anything to do with the game, but the fact that uh, these regions were able to overcome the, the COVID situation was pretty cool to me. It was a lot of headache to figure things out, but uh, I didn't think the the quality of the uh, as watcher suffered, and they uh, gathered together and find a solution fairly quickly. So hey, I how do we not talk about this? Is the year 2020. We're doing the 2020 recap. We haven't even mentioned COVID, really. We kind of mentioned it earlier. We haven't mentioned it until now. Right? Like, I'm with you, Chris. Like, this was... I, I thought they handled this about as well as you could. I know people hated on the NA broadcast or whatever, but, like, what? Like, come on. 
Like, what, they're casting from, like, nine different locations from their bedrooms. I thought, I thought, I thought the world in general for League of Legends did a very, very good job dealing with this whole ordeal. Unbelievably good job. Totally with you. Even though, like, I do think, like, NA suffered a little bit, um, given the circumstances that they were in, is an unbelievable job by the entire League of Legends community to get everything out and get it. It wasn't even the worst season of broadcast we've had. Yeah. Like, we've, we've had seasons there where there was more pauses and restarts and all that kind of crap than this last year, and that way yeah, more struggle. How many people year. even got sick? Did anybody look? There was, like, a couple cases. Very, very few. They handled it super well. Yeah. Go on, Chris. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, I just wanted to emphasize oh, no. that point because, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a few hiccups. I mean, OG, uh, Origin, having their uh, ping issues. Outside of that, yeah, very few pauses. I, I remember more pauses in Season 8. In this yeah. season. And Chrono Breaks. Is, was there even one Chrono Break? I can't I even remember. There, like there was a couple. wasn't too uh, many. You're right, you're right, though. Like, I, I mean... <laughs> I guess we should address this because it is kind of an elephant in the room and we are a gambling podcast. Um, there are people, some high-profile people that are putting an asterisk on this on this season. And I, I think to some extent you do need to maybe at least consider that. I think it would be delusional not to at least consider it. But there are some people that definitely thought there was a lot of foul play going on and – I mean, we didn't hear reports of anything. Maybe we will next year, and we, you know, we'll know in hindsight. But I, I gotta say, I, I never even considered it really. Like it, this, it's this really year not felt that like a normal. It felt like a normal League of Legends. I'm much more likely to put an asterisk by the NBA championship this year yeah. than the League of Legends championship. Yeah. Also, like, there's cameras on people. There's they're they're in a. I don't know what they use. They don't use Discord or whatever. You know, whatever whatever voice platform they're using. Like, there's referees there. It's basically the same thing. And I think most importantly, in the most important tournament, there wasn't any of this nonsense. It was in person. It was an actual LAN event. I'm so thankful that we were actually able to have a LAN event with basically no problems. So, at the very least, there shouldn't be an asterisk on the World Championship. Maybe you could say, oh, this team wouldn't have got there if they had to play on stage or whatever. But a lot of the teams did play on stage. So, what? I don't know. I think it's kind of a loose argument, but... Definitely worth, uh, I, I think, just at least mentioning, because I think there are some... I mean, Monte Cristo's been pretty outspoken about this. Like, Monte and Thorin are pretty... I mean, they also are pretty point, dialed into CSGO, and CSGO has a lot of this, like, transition where there's yeah. a lot of... There's land tournaments, and there's online tournaments, and CSGO, admittedly, this year has not been great for them in terms of competitive integrity issues, but there's always... Um, they. I think they were speaking more from a there's a difference between performing at home, performing on a stage like that kind of angle. But I, I just thought it was worth mentioning. I, I don't put too much weight into it. I'm not personally putting, I mean, maybe the disruption was the biggest asterisk of it. Like just taking six weeks off in the middle of the season for the LPL. That's weird. Right. Maybe that helped the rookies more. Maybe that's why we saw some of them do pretty well, but like the end of the year, it was mostly veterans here. Right. Sooning were kind of the exception. And even they had a lot of veterans on that team. So, yeah, I think the biggest issue wasn't on the world stage, but domestically, like um, Mad Lions is the easiest example, right? Like people, you know, how I, I mean, they got bumped in groups when they were pretty heavily favored to get out. 
And that was land. So, you know, people's reaction to that is, you know, they weren't a good land team. They're just a good online team. And whatever that may say about their mental or their ability as, as rookies, whatever it is, um, you know, that, that, I think that's where it was more of an issue yeah. as opposed to the world's thing. I think the hard part with them specifically, too, is like you don't know if that was the travel more than the actual land. Cause I, like, I thought Mad Lions was just one of those teams. I talked about the teams earlier that fell off once that midpoint of summer hit, and Mad, Mad Lions was just in that group. So yeah, maybe it was. I personally think most things are more of a little bit of everything than one thing. I tend to be, you know, it's it's not Occam's Razor. I forget what the, that version of it is, but like the the it's it's more likely a bunch of different things than you know one specific thing. I think and. Maybe it was more travel. Maybe it was 50% travel and 25% being figured out. Maybe it was 40, 30, 30 or something. I don't know. Like, I think that's the asterisk you put next to this if you're going to do any of it. But in terms of, like, the competitive integrity, I tend not to um, put too much weight on that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, we went from 200 years of Philios to jungle carries, where the highest kills in the tournament were jungle players like the top the three top kill totals in the tournament with jungles i think i just check right now just to hammer home my point from earlier aphelios is the perfect example of it where like he was had to be played he went from had to be played in 100 percent of games either playing or banned to no one wanted to play him ever and that's like i hated that about like you you shouldn't just destroy. Uh, just you know mean, you know my thoughts on this issue. My thoughts on this issue are I was the, the simple version is I think teams were just way too stubborn in doing the things that are good against it, and it took teams way way too long to figure out things that I thought personally were fairly obvious. But yeah, I think there was a little bit of both. I'm, I'm with you. Like it's it wasn't yeah. entirely that or entirely what you're saying either. I think it was kind of a little bit of yeah. both. It was like, yeah, there were counters, and maybe he needed some slight tuning. But it's like, man, like you don't have to just completely gut him and make him not a champion until twenty-seven minutes into a game. Like it's yeah. just, my like frustrating when they do things like that. Yeah, who are the two highest skill totals in this tournament? Trivia question, flash trivia, go. Caps, and probably Sofum. No, 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 not Sofum. Uh, it was a jungler. Like, are we talking about in the actual playoffs or single count? single games for the whole tournament? John, go your guesses. Oh, the two uh, individual games, yeah. the highest kills. Yeah, there was a there was a twelve or a thirteen. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember who they were. I was just sweating the under fourteen and a half the whole time, so I kept, <laughs> kept track of whether anybody got over Chris, fourteen any, and a half. Chris, care to venture any guesses? Oh my gosh, oh, I'm having a hard time. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, one of them was on day one of group One of them, yeah, it includes everything. One of them was on day one of groups. Oh jeez, um, it feels like so far. Uh, it was no, two junglers. I'll tell you that. Was much. it Brock? It was Piosic and Canyon. Uh, Thirteen kills each on Italy and Graves. What a world, right? <laughs> By the way. The next one was a top laner. It was Zoom on Camille. Obviously, this is like a high variance thing. Kills don't necessarily impact like the damage and all that. Necessarily, oh, I remember that. We saw it was Nidalee. It was Nidalee, Graves, and um, Camille. And then the Caps crazy pop-off game in, in 
the knockout stage. So, and then Piercing again at eleven kills. <laughs> so, guy, yeah, so Four, three junglers, a top laner, and a mid laner have the highest kill totals and most kills in a single game. This is what a weird world, right? <laughs> a weird thing. Didn't get a panic kill until the finals, so got blown out on that prop. But anyway, all right. Um, I figure we do some more fun stuff. I, I always like to call it a who's who, like you see at the end of the year book, right? Um, we're going to do our all-world teams. We're going to do two teams each because it's really, really hard to pick one. Um, we'll do coach of the year, rookie of the year, letdown of the year, surprise of the year. And then if you guys think of anything along the way, we'll do that. So uh, we'll open up all-world teams for 2020. So we're trying to grade 2020 as a whole. Uh, everybody obviously is going to have their different things that they care more about, that they weight more. But there's a lot of overlap in this list that I think um, maybe is telling for just the quality of players we're talking about here and maybe looking forward or maybe it's season-specific. We can talk about that as we go. Uh, anybody want to open up? I guess I can start. You guys always start. I'll, I'll start this time. So my my A team, if I had to pick an A team, I think the A and B teams for most of these are going to be pretty stacked either way, so you could make an argument for either. Uh, I had Zoom, Canyon, Rookie, Ruler, and Lumao. So I had two players on my list that didn't make Worlds, which is, I think, different than... I, don't think, I think you guys each had one or zero. So I had two players. Um, you only have one. Oh, yeah, Ruler made Worlds. I'm an idiot. Never mind. So I only have one. Thank you, John. Uh, so Rookie was the only one that didn't make Worlds. Um, I guess that's the only real... Would you call any of these really controversial? Like, that's probably the most controversial one, right? That's the most controversial pick, but I, th- I still think it's a solid pick. Yeah, like, I think there were, like, there was, like, five mid laners that are just absurd, world-class, like, better than everyone else level. I think you could Mid-lane say... Midlane was just absolutely nuts trying to do this with. Try to do it at home, if you're thinking about it, because there's really, there are five or six guys that easily could be team one. Yeah, and I to, to me, this was just... And maybe this is a little bit of my bias or maybe, maybe it's my, my pity feeling bad for these guys. Cause it felt like sometimes they were in Elo hell a little bit, but I kind of, I think like Chovy and rookie specifically are kind of in this weird situation where they had to do so much of the heavy lifting for their team and they did it so frequently. You can make an argument for Knight in that spot as well. Um, I'm sure we're going to see him a little bit here, but, uh, for me, it was rookie. Um, I think he had a ridiculous year. I think there was, like I said, there's like five guys that you could make a claim for this for that I think are totally reasonable. Uh, And to me, Rookie was like almost the sole reason that IG won all of their games. So in terms of like that, like like that's the kind of player I want. So uh, I went with Rookie. I think Ruler's the only other real question mark here, and I, I just thought Ruler was ridiculous this season. If you don't believe me, watch him. Look at his numbers. It's You want to talk about efficient, consistent. Guy almost never had bad games this year. Can play in every meta. Can play whether they were playing around him or not. It was just absolutely nuts the entire year. By the way, pretty ridiculous career, so let's not forget that either. Um, yeah, that's my A team. Uh, my B team was Nogari, Kanavi, Knight. Gun to my head, I'm going to say Teddy because of the full season. I think Teddy was insanely good this season. Uh, the other candidate for me was Jackie Love in this spot. 
But uh, Teddy played the full season. He was super good the entire year. I think sometimes try to carry a little too hard, but he was my pick. And then Beryl um, at support. I think people forget that Beryl, even when Damwon wasn't like their ridiculous dominant summer world championship winning selves, when they were like quote-unquote struggling in spring, Beryl was the bright spot. He was kind of um, Beryl and Showmaker, really. Like they were uh, – they were like – defining games like they were the ones that are dictating the pace of every single game they were in for good or bad and barrel was like the best version possible of like hillsang and he was consistently the good version of hillsang that's like the best way to describe him and he was the kind of guy he's the guy that was like actually like credited with the whole support pantheon thing like he started this whole this whole phenomenon so i thought uh as good as Ghost was, if you consider Ghost against some of this other top 80 carry talent and look at how good Barrel was, it made that lane almost like they were winning that lane almost all the time, and it was 90% of the time through Barrel. So um, I think he deserves to be on this list. I think you could make a case for him being the best. So that was my all-world team. Who wants to go next? I'll pick it up. Um, so for my, my team A, I it's it might seem biased to some people because I actually have three JDG players on my list. I think Zoom, Kanavi, and Lumao were the most talented players at their position this year. And then in mid lane, I have Knight, who I think anyone who's watched the Gold Card podcast probably knew I was going to say Knight. The CEO. Uh, it sucks, man. It sucks that at the most important time of the year is when mid lane was the least important, and he kind of just i barely even saw him at worlds yeah i barely ever felt like he had any effect on anything yeah. at world make after. no mistake by the way that that was not on him yeah he 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 had a good tournament really i mean for for what he was doing but it just sucks because there were so many games in the regular season where it was just like oh my god this guy is insane like he is just single-handedly taking over this game and then at worlds we barely even noticed them and that, like 30 that different guy. champions this year and won on most of them like yeah, he was he was just insane all year, and then at Worlds he like really fell off, and then at eighty care, well, I mean he didn't fall off, but the ability for him to affect the games fell off a lot. Yeah. Um, and then at eighty carry, I went with Ruler like you. I think he his consistency is nuts. Like that's I would say the same thing as you is just Ruler just always is good. There were some flashier eighty carries in the world, um, that that had some real highlight plays that maybe Ruler didn't quite have. Uh, he had some pretty good highlight plays himself, but there there were some guys that played a little flashier sometimes, but they also bottomed out a lot, and Ruler just never bottomed out. Uh, so I went ahead and gave that to him. On the B team, my B team is a little bit more questionable, I think, like a little bit more arguable. I put Nuguri in the top lane. Originally, I put Nuguri on my first team, but I didn't want to get affected by like recency bias because damn one won worlds because the whole year up until jdg was eliminated from worlds i said i thought zoom was playing better than nuguri and i think that's true so i didn't want to just let the fact that nuguri ended up winning worlds affect that um canyon in the jungle in the mid lane i went with caps and that was really tough uh because i think showmaker could have been there i think rookie could have been there i ended up going with caps for kind of the same reason that you said rookie is I think G2 in general underperformed a lot this year. was, like, not really that good, and Caps was a monster. And if you wanted, like, any better evidence of that, we were just talking about how mid laners at the World Championships were not difference makers. We barely saw Knight. We barely saw even Showmaker. Like, comparatively to the regular season, we barely saw him at Worlds. Ghost was the one we were seeing from Damwon, like, more so than ever. But Caps? We saw Caps. Yeah all worlds absolutely where almost none of those other players did we really see like that um so yeah i, I thought 
that, that's where I ended up going. Uh, and then at, at 80 carry, Juan Fong. Uh, I think there's a lot of places you could argue with that. And I have to admit, I, when I was making these lists kind of off the top of my head, I didn't really think about every player on every team in every league that yeah. didn't perform well this season and whether there was an insane 80 carry somewhere like a Zhumeng or somebody that maybe could have been on this list. Uh, I, but I did think Juan Fong had a fantastic season. And then you, oh, you said like, like a who? <laughs> I'm shot or did I mishear you? <laughs> I mean, there were, there were a couple guy. I'm with you, John, like the 80 guy was actually kind of hard too, because there's the highlight reel guys. And there's the guys that are just efficiency monsters. And I think I just, Juan Fong I, is like the best case of the efficiency monsters. You look at like his entire years, like damage per gold, uh, and if you consider that his team, of all the ones we're talking about here, Suning had, like, the worst calendar year performance of, like, most of the players on most of the teams we're talking about here. Yeah. So, like, if you consider the fact that, like, he was that efficient in those spots, like, even on, like, a basically, like, slightly above 500 team for most of the season, makes it a little more impressive. So I can I can definitely see that. And I definitely think it's dependent on like 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 Josh said, uh, eighty carries in twenty twenty has kind of been my my story this season. But I was honest to God not impressed with any eighty carry in the world. Basically, there was like almost no eighty carries where I watched this season. And I was like, this guy's just going off. Like basically nobody, dude. I mean, Ghost was. I thought Carzy. I thought Carzy was like weirdly yeah, maybe one of the most impressive ones because there I think Carzy. And well, they just had. I think Carzy and Ghost kind of had the same situation. I, listen, Robert I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to it, Josh. I'm gonna get to it because I am gonna bring him up too. Carzy and Ghost, I think, in terms of like an act, like actual lane synergy and having a read on what is good against what, they defined Ghost and Barrel, and the Mad Lions bot lane. I'm forgetting the support. God damn it, Kaiser, uh, Carzy and Kaiser. I think. Define the bottom lane metagame for 2020. I think those two lanes did, they were, whether they ended up that way or not, independent of like how the world's results ended up or whatever, they defined, they broke Aphelios, they found a way to beat it, they brought out the Pantheon support, they were the ones that truly found out how to abuse Senna to the, mo- the highest degree, both those lanes, right? So I think you can't just give all the support. The, the support, all the credit in those lanes, like it's a team effort there, right? So I think in that aspect, like I think there's a totally reasonable argument for some of those types of players. Like there were a couple other ones too. So good. Sorry. Yeah, I just yeah no, like all I was saying is yeah, I just I felt like there just wasn't really very many standout eighty carries this season. I was trying to think about like who played well this season. I was like, I didn't really think Jackie Love had that great of a season. I Loken for for I have three of Loken's teammates on Team One. I thought Loken had a fine season. I didn't think it was super impressive. Reckless, I thought he had a good season. I didn't think it was, you know, I, there was just nobody that I was feeling like, you know, an average Uzi season about where I was just like, this guy's a banger, man. Like, it was mostly the other players on the team that were really leading me towards yeah, like, who, who were the people in this pool? Like, Ruler, Jackie Love, Teddy, Juan Fong. I'll throw a crown shot in there. He deserves it. He was a stud. Yeah, he was um, a stud all season. Reckless showed up when it mattered. They were insanely good at Worlds. That lane was nuts yeah. at Worlds. Um, yeah, Reckless and Hillisang were off the charts at Worlds. I've, Tactical was also nuts at Worlds. I thought there were a couple guys that are kind of going off, the, like, you know, underrated maybe on this list. I thought Wink, 
Pope. A couple of the LPL 80 carries were very, very good this season. Also, um, you know what's really funny? You know you know who had a really great season this season, uh, even though all 80 carries had a bad season in general, like for me? Hmm. Wild Turtle just somehow turned it around. Oh, yeah, we talked a lot season. about that. For a guy that was like pretty much dog shit as far as I was concerned coming into this season, and then 80 carries in general have a bad season, and he suddenly pops up. I mean, props to Wild Turtle. He on just that wasn't feeding. Yeah, it was a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure there's people we're forgetting. Who am I forgetting? Joe Mang. Um, Icon. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Oh, the Zamwuji love fest is done. Maybe he had a sophomore Ooh, slump. Yeah, that was rough. That was a rough one. I'm sure. Who Who else am I forgetting? Uh, oh, hybrid, hybrid on a garbage yeah. APK team was good. Got Deft. It. Deft was – I thought Deft had, for his career, maybe the worst season of his career, but his career is also, like, second best of all time. So Yeah. What's, who's uh, – God, I can't – KT Rolster. Um, Mystic on Afrika. Who's KT, KT's AD carry? I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I've had too many beers. Uh, I'll find out. One second. One can't second. Think. One second. I can't I'm think. Sure. Aiming. Aiming. <laughs> Aiming, and, yeah, aiming yeah. and Mystic were both very good. Hybrid from APK was very, very good. Um, yeah, Viper and Lands were. Uh, we're not going to talk about that because there's some off the field issues going on with him right now. He, we might not see him again. Uh, which one, Viper or Lands? Viper. I didn't hear about this. Uh, we'll talk about it off stream. I've been too busy playing twenty solo queue games today. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty messed up actually. But he's not going to. He won't be playing the first half of the season. Are you confusing? Oh, no, with I'm, the... I'm with Onfleek. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm confusing with Onfleek. Yeah. Never mind. My bad. Okay, I was going to say. My bad. My yeah. bad. Yeah, Onfleek will not be playing the first half of 2021. Um, yeah, aiming was who we were thinking of. I thought I thought Mystic was pretty good on Afrika too. Um, and then a couple of the EU. I, I thought Carzi deserves some recognition for this list. Uh, Crowny absolutely deserves recognition on this list because he was a stud this year, all, all year, all year he was good. Um. Patrick, I, I would toss Patrick, out. Yeah, Patrick and Torre both. I thought were were an excellent lane. Um, and then we talked about tactical because he kind of like had a late bloom situation because he didn't get to play, but he's basically a stud the whole time. So, yeah, um, yeah. Eighty carry was hard. Um, sorry, John, I totally blew up your entire spot on this. You lost no, you're good, man. I, I was um, the one that went off on my eighty carry rant. Uh, support. But, uh, yeah, my and lastly, my support was uh, was carry. Uh, um, I. Th- I thought support was kind of hard too. I thought there was good arguments for barrel. I thought sword art had a fantastic, especially end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was just off the charts. There was a lot of good arguments I thought, uh, but I just ended up going with carry. I think it was kind of coin flippy between a few people. You know, what's nuts about Carrier? He just turned nine. He just turned 18 three weeks ago. That's ridiculous. Kid does everything. We saw a little bit of everything from him. He played a bunch of different champions, a bunch of different styles, just turned eight. He turned 18 during the World Championship, during the knockout stage. A lot of potential there. That's exciting. Um, who wants to go next, Chris, Josh? Yeah, I'll go. Let's go in that order. Uh, team A for me, I think I'm very much uh, impressed with Ben at top. It's those eyebrows, man. Just has to make it first team. Eyebrows. Uh, Canyon, no surprise here. MVP played great all season. Well, starting summer, but he 
became the focal point for Damwon. And then I have Knight, same reason as John. The guy is just, uh, outside of world, he just carried that team. I mean, you think of uh, that team, it's Knight. He carried it. I did have Jackie Love just because uh, I, and this can be a little bit uh, back and forth because people don't think he is as good as he performed, but I can't take it away how he just entered spring in the middle of the spring and I don't think he lost a game, maybe a couple of series, but never lost a game and then one spring. He still looked uh, good in the summer, but not like outstanding, but I won't take that away from yeah, him. I, I think if you want an X factor eighty carry, it's Jackie Love. Like if you just want right. that it factor, like a guy to just pop off in any given game and just do some ballistic shit that an eighty carry shouldn't be able to do, it's him. Like that. That's what you're getting with Jackie Love. You're kind of signing up for higher variance, but the ceiling is is there for sure. So I can totally see Jackie Love in this spot too. Absolutely. And this may be a consensus support pick, but Lumao. Everyone remembers that Bard. The outstanding Bart play by him. I think he brought Bart back into the meta, and um, just outstanding play from a support uh, on a world level from start to finish. I don't think I've been ever disappointed until he lost the swing. But I don't think I, he had a disappointing uh, year at all. Uh, I think support Lumao is the first one to jump to mind. I think you Lumao's Bard. Not to interrupt you for super long, mm-hmm. but I think Lumao's Bard is among the best like player champion combinations I've ever seen. Yeah, in the history I, of league, I'd as agree. far as like one person making a champion so much better than anybody else makes it, that that combination was nuts. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, that's why he stood out. I think that's pretty much why it's consensus eighteen for us. Um, no spoiler, Josh will have his own support. I'll talk about uh, Team B. I have Zoom. Hard to argue against him. I mean, what can you say? The guy does everything and uh, from a top laner that you want. Uh, Kanabi, he played outstanding as a jungle. We were, we, I remember one episode, we were just thinking, who, who stood out as jungle for the LPL? That I think it was a spring split. It was Kanabi that was the only difference maker between all the top teams yep. in that uh, playoff. Showmaker, um, all year long, when you build your DFS team, it's Naguri Canyon Showmaker. You just yep. start there with your demo. <laughs> Don't do anything else. And, of course, Worlds Meta happened <laughs> for him. Uh, Juan Fang, very impressive. You have to think about this kid started as a misfortune one trick and then kept expanding his pool and made it to the finals in Worlds. I mean, if you tell me that a kid that is a one trick to start off with, easily figure out you could just ban him out and he'll be... Pretty uh, pointless, uh, pretty useless for the rest of the game. But he he made it work. He just grew. Very impressed with him and deservedly uh, in the consideration. Then uh, Kyria, uh, I think John already mentioned him, but Kyria is the one I think about when I want a carry support. Uh, he can just take over a game from that position, which uh, you know very few does. I mean, Hillisang does it in a very he doesn't carry the game, but he has the impact. Liu Mao has his own impact, but Kyria is an actual, like, he his KDA exceeds some of the mid and um, ADC, so sometimes you just you just love to see that, and, man, 18-year-old. Doesn't Kyria feel, like, beyond his years? Doesn't it feel yeah. like, you watch him play, and it's like, this dude's been playing for three or four years. Like, this is a guy that's, like, peaking now, like, in the prime of his career, and, like, he's 17? What? Like... You're thinking about this, the kids like Dragon X is gonna lose, and Kyrie's like, nope, I am going to carry. Yeah, I will carry. Uh, me and Piosik, wow, wonderful duo over there. So that's my B team. 
I think Quan Fong, uh, just a quick shout out once again to the, the, I guess it's the, the real documentary for it, but the translated version by GBA 99 for sure. Uh, go check out, um, if you don't know, they talked a lot about it during worlds, but if you don't know the whole Wan Fong story, it's a, a real life rags to riches kind of story. So, um, they did a really, really good job with that. So definitely check that out. You can just YouTube it. Um, Josh, you're up. So <clears throat> these guys want to talk about like all the, the, the best, like a team and like, I don't really care. Cause it's just crowning and whoever else you put on the riff. With <laughs> so that's the real a team, but I suppose if I have to choose one, uh, I'll go through position by position here. So I think, uh, zoom, zoom in the top lane. Uh, I think it was really, there was only three choices here. Uh, Zoom, Vin, and Nuggery, I think, were the big three. Uh, I think there's some outside arguments for some other guys, but those are maybe. Yeah, I think those two were kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Um, know the shiny I mean, love, guys? Jesus Christ. <laughs> if there was an award for best and worst top laner in the league, it might have been the shiny. <laughs> the two faces. First award. team LPL. Yeah. I, uh, I do think that Zoom, for me, was just was the most consistent for the entire year. Yeah. Um, he didn't necessarily end as the best. I think Ben probably ended as, as the best individual top laner. Maybe Nuggery did. Um, eh, yeah, probably there, there again, neck and neck. Um, both were probably had a zoom at the end of the year, but for the entire year, I, I don't think you can really argue anyone was more consistent. Than zoom. Um, just real quick. Who, like who else is in this top lane pool? Because we kind of, like, have had the same, like, three or four people. Who are, like, let's name, like, three, like, honorable mentions. Just, like. The Shy, the shy would win a 1v1 tournament versus all. Yeah, I know. The shy, all I, all <laughs> as messed up as it is, like, don't you weirdly have to kind of mention him still? It feels so no. shitty, but, like. No, no, you no. don't have to. I think no. Wonder, I think Wonder gets Wonder, a nomination. I would agree. I think um, I think Kana deserves a, a, a nomination here too. Kana definitely does. Kana was really really good this season. I think Keen is still ridiculously good, even though we didn't see a whole lot of him in big. Somebody matches. else who never even sniffed Worlds, who probably deserves to be in this conversation, is Curse. I think Curse is really mm. really good in the LPL, but is has never been on a team that's been any good. Yeah. But I think he's fantastic. Who else? Mm. I'm forgetting somebody. Mm. He's a keen. He's a... I thought Rascal was for the year. He upgraded. He was way That's... better than he was last year. He was actually really good this year. But Viper. Uh... <laughs> Solo. Is this like? Is this like the opposite day? What are we doing here? Oh, by the way, like I randomly like I had the I had the I wanted to like check the sound quality on something, so I had the I I fired up the the podcast, and it literally like it just auto played to the next one. And the next one was like a clip from like six months ago. Where we were talking about how, and it like it was immediately to a spot where John was talking about how good Viper was, and I was like, I gotta pull this clip and I gotta figure out what episode it was because it was like, I was you like, if you could hear yourself now, you could hear yourself. You now. Oh man, it, it is funny how that happens, right? Uh, Josh, go on. Sorry, three six nine is probably in there. Yeah. 369. Thought about that. One. Uh, anybody from yeah. NA? Licorice was ridiculous for most of the year. Yeah, Buipo yeah. maybe. Buipo, oh man, my boy. I'm sure we're forgetting somebody else. Right. I, I think I honestly think it's those three and the rest. I mean, yeah. you could argue maybe people like Khan. I, I just I don't know. I really don't think you can really argue for 
for anyone other than those three. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm gonna go with that, but. Yeah, it was, it was, it was worth because we didn't really we did, we we basically just been going with the same three and never we kind of didn't flesh that out. So, no, I agree. Yeah, um, oh, wait. Loki, a top laner that was just smurfing in group stages. I feel like a, a, one of the top laners popped off in group stages. Maybe it was EU Masters or something. We should we should flesh out jungle too, by the way, because. Uh, we were sort of unit like by unanimous on this one. We, we boss had an insane tournament. What's up? I think yeah. Boss had an insane tournament overall, even though Unicorns Love didn't really win very many games mm-hmm. past past uh, entrances. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't remember, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do think it was a pretty tight pool for top lane, um, just because I think it was a weird year for top laners. It was like you had to be. Really good at playing weak side, but also have the ability to carry. And there's just not that many guys like that in the in, yeah. in the. Because um, we like we we've talked about it before, but we really saw guys that are used to just hard carrying struggle uh, to adapt to that. So yeah, it was it was an interesting top lane. I think that convinced me. For jungle, I was with everyone. I had Canyon here. Um, I do think John's argument for Kanavi. I, I think those two are very clearly one and two. I don't think there's that that uh, many people that were that close. I think you could argue that like Carso's up there. I think you could argue that um, SOFM is up there in terms of like second half, team, not necessarily individual skill, but value to his team. Um, I don't know, I, man. He was he had differential. Look at his differential numbers for the year. He was pretty nuts the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. self made up there. For me, at least, um, I thought Clid was insane all year and just yeah. looked like talk shit at Worlds, which sucks. But yeah, Clid's up there. But yeah, again, I think that one was pretty clearly Canyon and Kanabi, you know, way way above the rest. Uh, and then it kind of comes down to like what what type of players you like for the rest. Um, mid lane, I actually went. I think I'm the only one. Yeah, I went with Showmaker on on my A team here. Um, we talked about mid lane pretty tight. I think, I think it's the toughest one. I mean, I, I think there's the big four in the world in mid lane, and then a giant gap. Um, but I think it's, you know, Showmaker, Knight, Rookie, and uh, is it four or five for you? Cats four for me. I, I, I think you could argue BDD maybe, but like so are you, uh, who, you're excluding Showmaker. Chovy? Are you excluding Chovy, or is it a big five? Because I think it's a big five. Yeah, I forgot about Chovy. It's a big five. <laughs> it's a big five. I got you because I'm, I'm. I feel you. I'm the same. I'm in the same boat. I think it's a big five. Yeah, yeah, that is my bad. But yeah, I, I think it. Uh, yeah. I, anyways, I want to showmaker. I think he, he was again like not that good in the spring, so that's a little bit honestly. Um, and if I were to review it, I may not have him eighteen just because like of the full year. But he did end the strongest, I think. And John said it like at the end of the year. The two guys I chose for mid lane were the ones that actually were able to like, I felt make a difference on their teams at the end of the year. I probably went with Showmaker on Team A because I felt like he did make a difference. Well, him and um, Canyon together, I think maybe were the best duo in the world. Yeah. I went with Crown Shot as AD Carry. Lou Mal, pretty pretty clear here. He was the best. His, his bar really stuck out. Uh, team, I went Bin top lane, Kanavi Jungle. Talked about both of them already. 
I, I did go Caps mid lane again. Same logic. He was one of the guys at the end of the year that really did still be able to make a difference. Honestly, if we're going for the full year's performance, I think one and two is probably going to be Caps and Chovy in terms of individual play and. But uh, I did end up going with Showmaker over Trevor just because, like, he did end the year way stronger. And rightfully, he did kick the crap out of Joby, too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I went with Jackie Love as my second team, AD Carry. Um, I, don't think, I, I agree, like, in the summer, AD Carry's really stopped standing out. But I did think when he first came onto the scene there at the end of spring, I thought he had a lot of carry performances that we weren't seeing from AD um, I do think that that pool is pretty big, uh, for sure. Just because, like you said, it's hard to stand out. And then my support, I actually went a little bit off the board here, and I went Core JJ. Um, I'm with maybe, this, by the way. Yeah, like call me a bit of a Western homer here, um, if, if you will. I just really thought that he showed, like, one of the main things I'm looking for in a support is, like, guys that can kind of play whatever. Like, they're not necessarily defined by a meta. Uh, like there's a lot of sports that only play tanks. There's a lot of sports that only play mages, et cetera, et cetera. Core JJ can kind of play everything and he seems to always find a way to affect the map, whether it's on like traditional roamers like Rakan or, or, and Bard, or if it's on like, you know, you're more like Nautilus or something. Yeah. Like Nautilus Leona, like he still makes plays. So I don't know. I, I kind of like that. Um, and I thought he was really, really consistent. I thought he was the rock. I did think he did show some struggles in spring uh, with double lift, but I think there was a lot more than meets the eye going on there. I'll, from- I'll do another pro. I'll make another point, but it's pro Corey JJ. I, I think he won most of Liquid's games almost by himself. Yeah, like exactly. That team, they are kind of like a some you know greater than some of their parts kind of team, just the way they played. I'm look, mostly looking more at summer, obviously, but um, they kind of just were that textbook grind you out, minimize mistakes kind of team. But he, I, I felt like he was the one making plays in almost every game. Like he was the one. Like he, he had more. I think he probably carried. I'd venture to guess three quarters of their wins, like almost by himself. Whether it was through blowing up a lane phase or making a crucial roam at the right time, making a pick at the right time, and he did it. Like you said, he just did everything. Core JJ. I, I think people forget that this dude won a world championship a couple years ago. And, like, that he's just, like, rotting in, in North America or whatever. But I'm convinced Corey JJ could go anywhere and play at an elite level. Like, he's, he's legitimately good. There's a, there's a reasonable case. Like, I think he might be the best player in North America. Yeah, I think that's the thing that stands out to me about him is, like, I there's a lot of players in NA that I don't necessarily think would be successful. Like, there's a small list that I think would even be successful just in the LEC, let alone LPL or LCK. I think Core JJ could go to any of those leagues and compete yeah. and be top tier support in any of those leagues. Yeah, um, and that's why I have him here on the list. And I know that was a little bit off the board. I do agree. Like you know, Carry Abera, all all good choices. I think John also mentioned Sword Art. I, I think they're all good choices. I just went with the guy that I thought was the most consistent and most diverse. And like I said, always seemed to be having an effect on the game. Um, who else would we nominate here? Just like honorable mentions. I think life was insanely good. Obviously he's got ruler to lane with, which helps, but I thought life was good. I thought, um, I thought Kaiser was ridiculous. Kaiser. This season. Uh, Mickey had a good world for the most part. Um, who was um anybody in the LPL? Here, here's what I'll say. What, what I would actually say. Yeah. Effort, uh, what I would say is his Hilly. Had, I would say he exhibited arguably the highest ceiling of any support this year with his world performances. Yeah. 
He yeah, had like, that, was like five lanes where he was just ballistic. <laughs> like that top series, like he was support diff. <laughs> like that was like a, a, yeah against. And I feel bad because Yuan Jia actually I thought was underrated and like got better and better as the season went on. But like they just laid the beat down on that bottom lane in that series. Like even the games they lost. So and uh, beating Jackie Love in a lane is not exactly an easy feat. So yeah, I think uh, who, who else would you nominate in this spot? Like who, I'm, there's probably a couple more honorable mentions that I'm. I think I think Life absolutely needs to be here. He was so nails all year long. He's just kind of like not a sexy name that doesn't you know make all these crazy highlight real plays. Sword Art, I guess, but he's also kind of like just benefited from the meta being absolutely perfect for him. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Any any other support? I don't know. I'm having a hard time thinking of other like Mako standout support. EDG, maybe I'm trying to think of other LPL teams that. That didn't quite get there this year, and seeing if there's any support standouts. I'm not really thinking about anything. How Peepee really got? <laughs> yeah, Peepee got had a great season. The God, he was really, really good. That bot lane, him and Sam D were both were both excellent. Um, yeah, I, there's not too. I guess, yeah. I, honestly, like I think legit, like Peepee God. I think um, what's his name when Invictus came back from the death realm essentially and had a pretty decent season too. Um, oh my God. I think his friend like three supports. <laughs> no, Balan. Balan came oh, out. Balan. What we thought was retirement. Yeah. But... Seems like retirement. And like, yeah, he had a good, yeah, good, he year was good. He had a good couple of games. <laughs> I know. He was good. The, like basically the entire time he came back. Like if you yeah. like, cause you remember he, he came back like, Part way through, like almost all the way through, was it spring summer. or beginning of summer? I think no, it's summer. Because summer, summer, right? spring, it was all the two duos yeah, that they had just And it was acquired. weird. And I remember it being really weird. We're like, what? Like, this is so. Chris, maybe from F- FPX, I think if you're going to point to anybody on that team that had a good performance, Chris. it was probably him. Yeah, that's it. Like, I think the support pool that's was it. pretty. I like the Core JJ inclusion. I, I absolutely think he's. Um... And we mentioned it earlier, Torre, Patrick and Torre. Couple of the EU supports I thought were very, very good too. So I just wanted to make sure we're including our honorable mentions there. Coach of the year. I think this is going to be pretty. It's going to be like three people. Yeah. Also, I don't know how you don't go with with Spark. Uh, just because, like, I didn't even know who the hell shooting was. Uh, <laughs> like six months ago. So also they had a very unique flavor to themselves. Like they. You could see if it was yeah. it was a Sunning draft. Like that's kind of like a. It's not necessarily always a good thing, but. Yeah, I mean, I gave it to Spark. I I talked before the podcast with the guys about this, and my thing with Spark is I loved that Sunning was willing to do things that other teams were not doing if it was comfortable for them. They were willing to play comfort picks. They played Tank Rangar in the finals of Worlds. Like they were they were willing to to do those things if they made sense in the context of the draft for some reason or another. And, and if they felt comfortable on them. And I think that's something that way more teams should do. Most teams don't. And uh, I big props for being a big part of why Sony was successful this season, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think, yeah, this is tough. I think three of you were saying Spark. The rest of you are saying Spark, right? I think it probably has to be. I don't just know, the man. first name that jumped to mind, Spark, because of how far he got this team that I guess most people look 
I guess I'll, I'll make a couple off. other I'll make a couple other cases just for the sake because I, I think I'm in a I put I put Zepha down. I think that's like the other like real strong candidate. Um, this is his third top eight as a coach, his second top four. Um, also made it as a player well, long, long, long time ago. Which team just Dan one Zephas Dan one's head coach. Um, took a rookie team. Keep in mind this last year. When this team made Worlds, this was the challenger rising from challenger. And they made top eight at Worlds when a lot of people didn't expect them to. Um, and then they came in this season, had kind of a rough spring. Like, they did, they, they vastly under – they didn't meet expectations. But it, it didn't it seem like a light switch? It was kind of crazy with Damwon, wasn't it? Because, like, they looked like a pretty good team. It's like, oh, like they're going to be in the mix, but I don't really expect them to win LCK or anything. And they came out, literally it was like, they looked better at Rift Rivals than they did the entire spring split, including playoffs. They had, like, one good series in spring playoffs. I think they whooped on Africa. I think it was. I was like, oh, they looked pretty good. That was, like, their best series of the year. And they went to Rift Rivals, and it looked better than they did in playoffs. And they just completely ran roughshod over the summer with maybe the best individual season we've ever seen. So... Like I, I, to to turn it around like that, maybe they just didn't care about spring. I don't know, but like that, that's a coaching thing to me. And they're the other thing that I'll give credit for is they adapted. Right, they are not the same team that they were last year. Last year they were young, they were brazen, they played a lot like an LPL team. They kind of still had some of that to them this year, but they were a way honestly that was the biggest difference from spring to summer was they just became a more disciplined team. They weren't making dumb, no thinking mistakes like. They weren't making – like, they were very, very – they were just a well-coached team. They did everything well. So, I think I think he's a candidate. I'll throw a couple other ones out there just for – I guess we'll play a little devil's advocate here for coaches. Um, uh, Chris put Jat. I had Jat. Uh, I think uh, – yeah, go ahead. It's a little bit of a NA bias, but not so much. Like, when you're saying impressed by how a team can turn it around, this difference between spring – to summer when Jet took over. I think he took over after the summer, right? Just to put this team and put a rookie ADC or at least a non-experienced ADC and take this team to Worlds and impress at Worlds, a very young team. He knew to elevate the player's talent. He knew, like, Core JJ, you need to step it up. I know you've been playing under double lifts like Shadow or whatever. With that. But he elevated. He used that. And then... To bring Broxa in, Broxa looked amazing in Worlds, yeah. and uh, that is no—it's no, it's no um, small feat to go from, you know, just entering from the summer to bringing this uh, to bringing respectability to an A team. Yeah, um, I'll say. Let's see. We'll do another. One. I, I put the FlyQuest coaching staff because all right. So this is a little bit of a weird one. You got to hear me out on this. I put the FlyQuest coaching staff because, like, you looked at this team, and it's like, okay, like, this this could be, like, a decent team, right? Like, they'll be competitive. I don't think anyone thought they'd be as good as they were. But strictly in terms of, like, understanding what they needed to do to win, like, the FlyQuest, they were like, okay, we are we are. They understood what was important. They had the best read on the metagame for, like, three quarters of the season until summer playoffs, basically. Like, I thought, I thought they were the best drafting North American team the entire year until, like, TSM had a pretty good read on the on the playoff metagame, right? I really did. Like, I thought they just had it. Like, 
They 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 were like, look, this is going to beat this league. These Jazz are going to beat this team. And they did the same things every single game, but they always were in a position to win because they always had edges in the draft that worked for them, for the style that they wanted to play. So I wanted to give a, a tip of the cap to the FlyQuest coaching staff. I'll mention one other one. Um, IG made a coaching change shortly into the summer split. It was like four, like four weeks into the summer split. And I remember we talked a lot about this because it wasn't like that big, like that heavily publicized or talked about. But they promoted, uh, they changed some of their coaching staff up. So I wanted to give a shout out to Fly for IG, and because uh, if, if you remember, like halfway through the season, like they their drafts didn't make any sense. It literally looked like they were playing solo queue for like all like a lot of the year, and they came in and it seemed like overnight they just had like better drafting, more consistent. They had a couple of different looks that worked for them, and. He kind of turned that team that because you remember Invictus were in like twelfth place, they weren't going to make playoffs at like very a decent way into the summer season, and they kind of turned it around. So, little shout out there to um, any other any other coaching nominations. I, I I you could put Grabs here too. I think Grabs is I think a great coach still and deserves some recognition for really dealing. That whole team deserves some recognition for dealing with all the off the field stuff and the weird season and everything. So any, any other uh, shout outs for coaches? I went with Zephyr for them one. Potentially. I mean, Mithy, I thought for his first year as a coach had a, had a pretty honorable performance. Uh, they, their drafts kind of, I'd say they got worse as the year went on, but definitely in spring split, it felt like he was draft king winning a lot of teams. Uh, right. Rookie of the year. I think there's like two options here, right? <laughs> like, Caria. I went with Caria. Yeah, Caria and Juan Fung felt like the two big options that we were looking at, and that's who we all chose as one of those two. You could maybe, like, who are the, the outside looking in candidates here? I think, like, Carzy Kaiser, like the Mad Lions guy, Shadow. Oh, he wasn't really a rookie. He wasn't. Piosic, right? Piosic. would have been my vote now. I mentioned closer to you guys before the show Kana. started. Kana. I think Kana definitely deserves uh, maybe some kids. Uh, 2020 icon. Get out of here, dude. This was icon. This was 2020 <laughs> icon for the season. Realistically, I think Kana's probably the third one, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you. Yeah. yeah, Kana was really, really good. Kana, Kana was one of those top laners that could do everything, which is why I think he, he maybe deserves some credit here, too. Uh, tactical honorable mention? Too yeah. soon? Not really. I mean, the, split in a world championship. He looks really good at worlds. I feel like that can't be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably just Carrier or Juan Fong. Josh had Juan Fong. The rest of us had Carrier. I think it's reasonable. Uh, so this one, uh, we did letdown of the year. This could be a team. This could be the big picture thought. It could be a player. It could be a couple of things. So. Uh, we we had a whole bunch of ideas. We kind of talked about one of the ones that Chris was going to mention down here with the the dragon changes to the game itself. But uh, this is kind of a bit of a hodgepodge list. But I figure we'll go through because um, I think a lot, we shared a lot of these. But uh, we kind of wanted to be eclectic with this. I'll say Cloud Nine because what the hell? I want to see this team at Worlds. I still think they would have had the best chance to do something at Worlds of the NA teams. I still think that to this day, even though they looked like dog shit the second half. I think you want to talk about – I think Cloud9 are a good maybe cautionary tale 
uh, about what can happen in a, such a short amount of time and why we always, you know, everybody always makes fun of these. He's like, oh, we want to see more Clown Fiesta games. We want to see more experimenting. This is why you don't. And it's not the only reason they lost. They play, they were playing badly too. But it was. you want to talk about how things can kind of pile up on one another? Um, also, why you should make Spring Split matter? We could talk about that too, but that, that's kind of an off-season topic we're going to talk about because NA's potentially switching formats. Um just tremendously disappointing we didn't get to see this team at Worlds, right? Like, end of the day, I think that that's what it was for me. But uh, maybe they didn't deserve to be there. I don't know. It just feels it feels like they would have had some upset potential, but maybe not. I, don't know. I, I thought they were worth mentioning because I think to a lot of people that was the biggest disappointment of the year was, like, the, the collapse. The, it took it took a month, right? Like, it took, like, five, what, five weeks? Not even. Four or five weeks to go from, like, is this the best North American team ever to didn't even make worlds? That's how fast it can happen. So yeah, a cautionary tale. I'll, I'll, I'll nominate cloud nine for letdown of the year. Just, uh, if for no other reason than to remind people, you know, I went with, uh, Invictus gaming. Uh, look, no one expected them to win worlds this year, but you got to beat LGD in the world's qualifiers. Like you just have to do that. If you're Invictus gaming, you lost LGD you real- twice. If you have Rookie and you have the Shy and you have all these guys, you have to beat LGD in the qualifiers, and they didn't do it. And so they're looking so much a, better. That was a huge letdown. Yeah, going into all that, they were looking great. That's and then like the they just third best team in the LPL. Yeah, it was really unfortunate. Ugh, I'm retilted over Invictus. You got me. Who's next? Chris, you want to go? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, T1, this is a team I've been rooting for. I wanted to see Faker back in. Um, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, they couldn't make it happen. LCK was close. Yeah. Like, really, like, razor-thin close. Like, and four teams deserve, but uh, you can only have three in there. I think uh, a, perform- uh, a series here and there, the random losses to, like, bad teams. Oh, my is- life. <laughs> Oh gosh, that's the one that tilted me the most. That was early summer too. A team that I don't, I don't know if they're gonna come back with the same people. Well, maybe they are, but just yeah. I, 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 I'm disappointed. I'm let down from the standpoint that I think this team would have done really well at Worlds. Yeah, didn't T one? Didn't this feel like like I wish there could have been four LCK teams? Because there was like a pretty clear like these four teams are very very good. And there's a pretty big drop off after that, so it, it does feel like a bummer that we couldn't get four LCK teams, but that's the way it rolls, you know. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna be talking a lot about TSM in the off season. I promise. We're gonna save that for for off season shows because there's a whole lot going on there. So, uh, Josh, Josh has multiple takes. Yeah, I I went with. Uh, I'll just I'll keep it briefer. I, I went FEX. Um, I think anytime you win worlds and then you don't even make worlds the next year, you've got to be the candidate for the biggest letdown. Um, yeah, that, that seemed like the easiest one for me. So that's that's what I went with. Yeah, we kind of briefly touched on the other ones. We thought you put worlds meta and AD carry in 2020, which we kind of talked about a little bit already. So um, <laughs> here's a fun one. Surprises of the year. I feel like some of us wanted to put on here mostly for like tip of the cap. Because it shows you, these are fun because 
when you think back over the course of you know ten months, it's a lot, and sometimes you're going to forget stuff. But a couple of people brought off stuff here that we totally forgot about because it happened literally ten months ago, and I think you'll get a kick out of this whole thing. So, I mean, I put SOFM. Um, my reasoning for this is this is a guy that has always been pretty good, but was never like a superstar caliber player, right? Always good, always unique, always interesting, always had his weird niche things that he did, but was kind of toiling in mediocrity, right? For years, honestly years. And just to it seemingly flip a switch like this, you saw it early in the year, he was really highly rated in solo queue ladders, was just crushing it in Korea and on the super server, uh, had just tremendous differential statistics over the course of the whole year. I think a lot of people were like, oh, maybe he spends too much time farming or whatever, but guess what? Guess what the, guess what the game was in 2020 for junglers, right? Um, also was able to make plays on stuff, did the Lee Sin, very different look. Um, he was kind of like, he was, SFM was like the League of Legends equivalent to like a professional athlete having like their best, the best season of their career at like 35. Like, 12 years into their career, they, like, a hockey player 12 years into his career finally has, like, a 35-goal season, like, his best season ever. And it's not because he's on a good team or anything like that. It's just because, like, he's actually engineering a lot of this stuff himself, you know? So, yeah, I, I put SOFM on this one. Uh, kind of related is John's. Yeah, I, I just said Sunning in general. And even more so than just making the finals, the thing that was interesting to me about Sunning is – they very much did it their own way, like I was talking about with the coaching, and they were not a candidate to do it. Like, if you look at the beginning of the year and you're asking me, like, who's just going to randomly, like, blow up this year? Like, Sunning was not a candidate at all for me. Yeah. Just, like, they're a middle-of-the-table organization as far as, like, their, you know, their history and stuff. They're not a team that's ever really been highly successful. They're, they're just not a team that anybody was going to look at and be like, I don't know, like, they're sleepers over there yeah. at Sunning, like, they were just not a team anybody was looking at to just have a, a insane season. They were like the most just, mad team, right? They were just yeah, like, eh. that's, that's the way to describe them. They're just a super middle of the table, like, eh, kind of team. Nobody thought they were going to be terrible, but nobody thought they were going to come out and have a, a blowout season. And so going all the way to the world finals as a team that most people wouldn't have given a second look at at the beginning of the season is pretty incredible. Hats off to them. Uh, Chris has a really fun one. Yes. How Don't can forget about from- this. The next biggest thing after COVID is the return of a Greek man from his military service who was at the top of his game, signed to Schalke, going to surprise everyone. And absolutely, he surprised everyone. He couldn't even finish the split. (laughs) I don't think anyone has forgiven him. Forgiven is the Drew. He's the Drew Brees of esports at this point. Is forgiven? Does forgiven get the Dade Award without even being at Worlds? (laughs) Just give it to him. Not, just give it to him. The guy. What uh, a weird, weird story. Right? And I think, like, surprises. I'll say this because we have a lot of listeners now that, that, that kind of jumped on board when COVID hit. A lot of new listeners that kind of jumped in in the middle of the year. We talked a lot about Forgiven. I think some of them caught the end of this because it was, like, March this is like the middle of the split, so maybe they caught the tail end of this whole circumstance, right? But Forgiven is like one of the best Western 80 carries of all time. Had to take a break for his military service. 
notorious character, like professional wrestling le- like heel level character, right? Loves shit talking, could back it up. Like everyone was so excited for his triumphant return and just completely blew up his career. It's probably not going to get. Is somebody going to take a chance on him? No way. Isn't it? It's it's wild. It's wild that they, like what if? Do some what ifs. This is the this is an ultimate. What if Forgiven was like eighty percent of his former self? Then he'd be all right. The Shaw can make worlds. They were pretty close. Think about the, it, man. Like I have the galaxy brain take that nobody wants to hear. Are, are you? I want to hear it. You can't just Make say sure it. Forgiven to G2. If anyone can handle him, it's grass. Yeah, they, can rain him, they can rain him in. You know, who else can rain him in and get him playing his old style? I like this. He fits that. Oh my! He fits that orc so well. That is such a galaxy brain take, dude. You're right. TikTok is like right there. Like him and Carlos are just gonna come out before a game with the hype up video. It's just like. Yeah, this entire other team's dog shit. We've been fucking <laughs> week and we're ready to kick their ass. <laughs> I just want to see this now, dude. Dude, G2 would totally do this too. Holy shit. This is so galaxy brain. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first on the Gold Card Podcast. Josh Roberts with perhaps the largest brain on the podcast here. Maybe in, in analyst Twitter, period. Holy shit, I want that to happen so bad. Isn't it crazy that that was like... That feels like it was so long ago, right? And that was like the, the biggest meme besides Liquid shitting the bed, right? Like it was that... It was those two st- That was the story of spring. That was the worst thing to happen in 2020 until COVID happened. Like, at least in League of Legends. Wow. Yeah. Forgiven. That was – Chris, I'm so – I think we all kind of – like, I think a few of you guys mentioned this. I forget who it was, but I'm, I'm so glad you guys reminded me of this because I completely forgot. I 100% completely forgot. Josh, who was your um, – Mr. Galaxy Brand, I'm sorry, Einstein. <laughs> what was your yeah. uh, surprise of the year? My surprise of the year was, uh, was actually Victory 5. I thought, um, like, for that organization to almost make Worlds, I – like I just never in a hundred years after the worst split in history. Yeah, was it? Did they go over in the spring? They lo- they won a single game. They were like, one in thirty five. It's it's mind boggling me that those two things happened in the same year. They they literally went from winning one game to being a month what, later. Two, were they two places out or one place out of uh, making? World? They fin- I forget if they finished fifth or sixth. They lost to, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't remember. But either way, like they they went from being a laughing sock, absolute laughing sock, to contending for worlds, and that's just I, I don't know. To me, that's that's definitely the biggest surprise of the year. Yeah. And that you don't see turnarounds like that ever. They beat fun. They beat the previous world champions, and then lost three one to Sooning, the eventual world's finalist, Sooning Gaming. That's you're you're right. That you want to talk Cinderella stories? That's some Alice Knox Luna shit right there. 
the LPL bringing the Cinderella stories this year. That that you're right. That's like the craziest turnaround I think I've ever seen for an organization. That's nuts. Um, yeah, definitely a good one. Uh, so we've run pretty long. We could go on with a couple of these topics. Maybe we'll smatter them in in future shows. But I think that's I think we'll, we'll call it uh, there for our who's who for the time being. If uh, you guys think of anything else that you'd like to hear, feel free to uh, add us on Twitter, tweet at us, tweet at the Gold Car Podcast. Um, hit us up in the Discord, DM us, whatever you happen to have, uh, want to do. Leave it in a review. If you want to hear more of these kind of who's who kind of questions, we've got all off season to kind of talk about this, so definitely hit us up. Before we go, I did want to recap our year and pick of the week. So, without further ado, uh, I didn't calculate the ROI because I'm lazy and irresponsible, and we did this right before we came on the show. But uh, Just assume it was all one bet and your ROI is monstrous. So, Using our million-dollar units, right? Um, the main cast, including Calvin in this one, because he started off the year for us, um, went a total. We broke 500. We went 67 and 66 on the year. So 133 bets placed, plus 16.84 units. You do the math on the ROI there. Was that like 9%, something like that? Probably less than that. I don't know. Um, not bad. Not bad. Uh, I went 25 and 10, which is maybe the best performance I've ever had on this show. Insane year for Vince. Yeah, that's pretty nuts here. I wish my full on betting record had that kind of season, but uh, yeah, good, good year on the cast for me. I was plus 15.17 units. Admittedly, a little more conservative, uh, steady as she goes kind of approach, I think, than you guys have, but uh, just different strokes i guess john uh went 15 and 19 but was only down 1.59 units uh i graded his quad bet as a plus one unit uh the quad bet that we did before the world's tournament which was gen g dragon xg2 and damn one um damn one one for a net of plus one all the others would have been a bigger net bonus but um that's why we do this kind of a dutch situation josh went 13 and 10 for a total of plus 8.96 units. I think you had the best ROI, I believe. Yeah, I think you had the best ROI. Uh, Chris went 8 and 23. Rough year for Chris. Uh, minus 12.18 units. He had to jet out, but uh, he'll be back with us next week. Uh, Calvin started the year off 6 and 4, and he was up 6.48 units. So he had a pretty good ROI as well. The listeners... Got some splaining to do. Uh, the listeners... Actually, all things considered, the listeners didn't do that bad, but one big hit kind of saved their season, I think, from being really bad. And uh, I think it's going to be more fun to see the listener over the over a bigger sample size because we only started doing the listener take uh, 11 weeks back. So the listeners went 4-7 and seven in their 11 shots, but only were down minus 1.66 units. So, on the year... We as a cast were uh, up 16.84, and uh, you know even if you subtract the listeners, I think, and add the guest in, I think it's going to be roughly the same. It was pretty close, maybe one less. So pretty good year in pick of the week. Um, I've got some ideas moving forward into 2021 for uh, maybe we'll mix this up and get a little more creative with it. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a forced underdog every week. I think could make this. We'll do we'll do like a like a pick of the week and a dog. Or something like that, like a lock and a dog kind of situation. So, 
Uh, if you have any ideas for su- suggestions like that, or like a like a side and a prop or something along those lines, maybe that's what we'll do for next year. But uh, we're gonna mix it up, try to do some different things in for next year. So, um, yeah, that's 2020 in a nutshell, I guess. Uh, long year, a lot of stuff happened. Obviously, COVID kind of impacted. I think everyone. Uh, I think League of Legends was lucky. This was kind of a blessing in disguise. I think, right? Would you guys agree with that for 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 esports in general? Yeah, it put a lot more eyeballs on esports, I think. Which I think all of us agree was going to happen, given time anyway, and just kind of like sped the process up. But uh, obviously I hope everyone is is being careful, taking care of themselves, taking care of the ones you care about and everything. This has been kind of a crazy year. Um, esports has been great for us, so uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be bringing you off-season content as well. Uh, we... We haven't really talked about this. I guess we could do like a little on on cast brainstorming session here, but uh, I have some ideas for some evergreen content that we could do. Maybe like a basics, like a one hundred and one, like a crash course kind of into betting for those that are new to this. Uh, maybe we could do a DFS um, one hundred and one kind of situation too. Uh, just like some evergreen kind of stuff. We are definitely accepting ideas for show ideas. Uh, if there is a topic you would like us to discuss in a longer form, maybe dive deep, get philosophical on. Uh, maybe roster construction, like anything anything along those lines, feel free, again, tweet us, uh, contact us, let us know what you guys want to hear about because we've got some weeks. Um, we're going to be discussing news, we'll, plenty of hot stove season talk. There's already been plenty of it. Uh, we, we intentionally left those out of the conversation tonight because we knew we were going to run long on this one. But uh, we'll be doing plenty of hot stove season discussion because there's already been some bombshell moves that have happened and some big rumors that are happening as well. So, uh, shoot us your ideas. And I think that's going to be it for us this week. You guys got anything else? I'm good, Gelati. I got I got one more thing. Everyone pour one out for John. Just a rough NFL handicap season. <laughs> <laughs> John, remind uh, us who you backed this week. Keep your eyes out for the footballdepartment.com. I'm pretty much done with these clowns talking about esports. It's this is football season here. There's, that's that's where the money's really at, as you can tell from my NFL betting records. So. I'm uh, pulling up. I'm trying to register DrewBreesSeason.com right now. Because, uh, I think that's <laughs> the Drew Brees department. The Drew Brees department. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was something else, wasn't it? All right. I think that's going to be it for us, guys. Uh, we will see you either next week or the week after. We're not sure. We haven't we haven't laid out the schedule, but we will be bringing you probably close to weekly off-season content as well, guys. So until next time, we're putting a bow on 2020. We will see you guys in 2021 slash the 2020 season. Everybody have a good day. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.